If you have a Bible tonight, turn with me uh, to the book of Judges. Let's go to chapter 7 and chapter 8. Uh, tonight we want to look at Gideon's uh, 300 men. They defeat uh, the Midianites. I've always loved the story of Gideon. And because we've gone to Israel, they take you to Gideon Spring. And the guides will show you uh, the hillsides. And they'll show you where the Midianites uh, had to have been hiding, had to have been covering. And you're going to see, uh, they were so many. They described them uh, as locusts. They described them as uh, sand of the sea. And uh, when you think about uh, the children of Israel, and you think of Gideon's army, uh, 300 incredible odds. And yet he had to believe God by faith. And I think that's where we're at so many times. We have to trust God. And in that trusting of God, we have to trust him with faith. And they're synonymous, basically. Trust and faith, they go together. And so we have to learn uh, from the Old Testament and see this man, Gideon. So let's begin here in Judges chapter uh, 7. And I like the caption in my Bible, Gideon's valiant uh, 300. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, remember they had changed his name, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. Uh, it says, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. Now remember his name was changed because uh, he had the, uh, the faith to shut down his dad's uh, altar of Baal. And uh, his dad uh, got up in the morning and, you know, the, the men uh, thought that he was going to chastise his son. In fact, death. And so the name was given uh, to him, and it means let Baal plead. And so God destroyed that little monument, I remember the groves that were there. And so the wood was used to give an offering unto the Lord. And the Lord said to Gideon, verse 2, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Let, he says, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. God knew their hearts. You know the scripture in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked above all things. Who knows my heart? God knows my heart. That's what the scripture says. He has the reins. And so he knew the children of Israel. They would boast. They would brag. They would become prideful. They had too many. And you're going to see the number, 32,000. And so God begins to break that down. In verse 3, now therefore proclaim uh, in the hearing of the people saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead and listen to the amount and 22,000 uh, of the people return and 10,000 remain. And so Gideon's army has been uh, evaporated. And so I'm thinking about Gideon and he says, okay, at least I got 10,000 and they have to be the best because the other ones were fearful. But God isn't finished yet. And so one of the things I, I, I put down here in my notes, it's a time of testing for, for Gideon. And sometimes God will test us. What are you going to do this time, Bob? 
And sometimes he puts us uh, through the fire. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to trust in the arm of flesh? And so the test on Gideon here. In verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Uh, Bring them down to the water now. This is what we call Gideon Springs. And I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, and the same shall go with you. And of whosoever I say to you, this one shall not go up with you, the same shall not go up. And so what God is establishing, listen, Gideon, you're going to be tested some more, but I want obedience from you. And that's what God's looking for uh, in the Old Testament, what we've been going through, that, that continued test of obedience. And in my life and in your life, we're tested, sometimes more than we like to be, but God wants to see how much we love him. God wants to see uh, how much we're going to obey him. And we know the scenario, if we obey God, he's going to bless you. We disobey God, we're going to bring the curses upon ourselves. Look at verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps uh, from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And so the time of setting apart, there was two groups of people. Those that literally were lapping up the water, not looking around, but really lapping the water. And and the ones that were on their knee, and I have to say, they grabbed the water and they're cupping in in their hand, and, and they're drinking the water, but at the same time, they're looking around. And these are the ones that God is going to use. And so... Uh, basically the ones that were going to be let go is the ones that were drinking water like a dog. And so verse 6 says, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand uh, to their mouth was 300. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees and to drink the water. And so 300 men God's going to choose. Uh, that's a significant number from 10,000. Because we already know 22,000 already went home, basically. In verse 7, then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lap, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his own place. I'm thinking of the minds of all the men there. There has to be those that were puzzled. What's going on? We came to fight. And now I'm being sent home. Well, literally, they failed the test. Think about that. And so the people took provisions, and they took their trumpets. Now, the translation there is ram's horns in their hands and sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian uh, was below him in the valley. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. What I love so much is that God is continually speaking now to Gideon. I mean, how can he deny uh, the voice of the Lord? How can he deny that God is, is speaking to him? Obviously. And so maybe there's the 300 people are, are, could be questioning this thing. 
but now they're being moved by Gideon's faith. And so God's going to get them closer to develop more faith. Listen to this now. For I had delivered them into your hand. Verse 10, but if you're afraid. And I think that Gideon had, you know, concerns. And he says, go down, go to the camp, take Pura, uh, your servant. Now, this is not his captain. But most of the commentaries I read, most of the scholars, uh, the way the Hebrew, it's his armor bearer. And they're going to go scout the Midianites even more now. And what's interesting is they're not spotted. And so God protects them. God shields them. In verse 11, and you shall hear what they have to say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, uh, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. He went further into the camp. I mean, he's right there, and you're going to see. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you how close he was. He's able to hear them speaking. And so he's right down there. But God's blinding these guys and protecting uh, Gideon and, and his uh, armor bearer. I want you to go down and hear what they have to say. And so in verse 12, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east, uh, these are the ones that are coming against Israel were lying in the valley as numerous, and here's a description that we spoke of earlier, as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number, and the sand by the seashore in multitude. So I want you to just see a great multitude of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and, and those uh, that were of the east. And so, uh, I mean, the odds are set up against them. We know when we read in the scriptures concerning the locusts in the Bible, it seems that they always are mentioned in this way, uh, biblical proportions. It's interesting, when you're watching news and certain things are happening, and uh, let's say there's a, you know, some kind of disaster, some kind of uh, situation, they'll use the terms biblical proportions, you know? And so where do they get this from? Uh, I want you to think of this. Back in Genesis, when God promised to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, and he describes how many, like the sand of the sea. In verse 13, and when Gideon had come, uh, there was a, a man telling a dream uh, to his companion, and he said, I have a dream. They're that close that they're hearing this man describe the dream, and, and it's no coincidence to me. God has set this up. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. We know that God had chosen uh, Gideon and he has him now to overhear the dream of one in the camp. Now it's interesting, as I was doing some research, barley was considered the poor man's food and it was... Uh, Barley was always used for the animal to be fed. It was, it was heavy, and so it rolled down this bread in the dream, rolled down the hill, overturned the tent. Is it a king's tent? That's what some of my scholars said that I was reading. God was showing Gideon in the victory to come was ordained by God. 
more signs from the Lord. Now, if you were here last week. God's already given Gideon plenty of signs because he asked them. And there's nothing wrong with that because you want to be sure what you're going to do is to step out by faith. Lord, is this you? Show me one more time. And in Gideon's case, he did. In some cases, he might not. And so we have to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. But more signs for Gideon. Uh, he's being bombarded by them. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's God, Gideon. Come on. And then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into the hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. The armor bearer, listen, he saw it. He starts to add up the things that uh, God has already shown Gideon. There's no doubt in my mind we're going to take this victory. And so God prepares uh, the people. In verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. I like that. When God answers your prayer, when God answers your fleece, when God answers, okay, Lord, show me. And God has ways to show you. Lord, open that door or close it. But show me. Don't forget when the answer comes to rejoice in the Lord. Worship him. Lord, thank you. And Gideon was taking time that he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. It wasn't just here, church. Now, you know what's already happened. Remember the angel of the Lord? How did he know that finally it was a, a theophany of God himself? Because when he tried to offer food, remember, the angel consumed it with the staff. He says, put, put the meat there, pour out the, the broth, and he took the meat. He didn't eat it. As deity, he took the worship and the praise. And then when Gideon said, Lord, I need to put this fleece out. And then at one time it's wet, another time it's dry. God confirms it over and over and over his call. As just as I shared with you, uh, the things that Mary and I went through, God confirms these things. The same thing with you when you're praying, when you're seeking God. And God will confirm these things. And, and so now again, confirmation, this time through a dream. And now your armor bearer is excited about it. And so it's time to take the victory. Look at verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a, a, a trumpet in every man's hand or a ram's horn uh, with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And so uh, where's the weapons? Notice that he's saying trumpet or ram's horn pitchers, empty, and then torches. Uh, it's, it's nightfall. And I, I, when I read this, I thought about the scripture that says God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. But what I like is uh, they're following the lead of Gideon and following the lead of the armor bearer. And the other men are saying, hey, let's go for it. Our leaders are 
telling us, let's do this. Look at verse 17. And he said to them, uh, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. Uh, obedience, not only in Gideon's part, not only in the armor bearer's part, but the 300 total men. When I blow the ram's horn or the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the, the ram's horn on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So they surround the enemy. And they just simply <laughs> make this cry, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I'm trying to think of what's going on in the Midianite camp. I mean, there's got to be fear already setting in. How dare them challenge us? And don't forget, the heathen nations would always inquire, is God for them? Speaking of Israel. And if God be for them, who can be against them? So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outposts of the camp at the beginning, and in the middle watch. Now, pick up on this. Just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets or the ram's horn, and they broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Now, according to the commentaries I read, this middle watch is 12 midnight. So they're attacking at night. That's why they have the torches. In verse 20, then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the, the pitchers that held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets or the ram's horns in their right hand uh, for blowing them. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, obeying what God said. So the plan, listen, it's in motion. The plan is in motion. Again, let me make a, some emphasizing here. Uh, the ram's horn, it's the shofar, right? And if it's properly used, it's properly blown, it's, it reeks a sound. And 300 ram's horns has to be eerie. And you know that God magnified it even that much more. And so think of the camp. Think of what's going on in the camp. In verse 21, <coughs> excuse me. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. They kept blowing the horns. They kept blowing those ram's horns. And these guys are ready to leave. Uh, when the 300 blew the trumpets, the ram's horns, the Lord said every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole arm or the whole camp. And the army fled. Listen to how far they went to, to Beth Acacia toward Zerah. And as far as Abel, Mehola, and Tabath. I want you to think of the confusion that's going on. Confusion, days uh, riddled or rattled in their mind. They began to kill one another. You say, how is that possible? God set it up. The sound, the shouts. The pictures breaking, uh, the torches, everything that's combined. Uh, what are they seeing with their eyes? What are they hearing with their ears? It caused them to run. 
And you're going to see now, some of them got away, but they're going to be caught up too. But so many died that day. In verse 23, and the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. Why are they so excited to pursue? Because the victory belongs to the Lord. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them uh, the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth Barah and, and the Jordan. And they captured two princes uh, of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. It's believed that after they would kill them, they would name that spot, that place, after them. And then it says, and Zeb, they killed at the wine presses. These guys were hiding the, the wine press of Zeb, so they named it the same. And they pursued Midian, and they brought uh, the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan uh, to prove that they were destroyed. And so, again, would you look at the faith factor? Gideon had to be tested over and over and over. And that's okay. Sometimes we have to go through the test. Sometimes we fail the test. And then God will bring another test. And I want you to think about this. Uh, when, when, when God was approaching Gideon, where was he? He was hiding in the threshing floor. Because the Midianites were uh, literally stealing their crops. And so Gideon's hiding. But I like that phrase, almighty man of valor. And yet he was hiding. And you can't blame him. And so now, obviously, things are going a lot better. But I'm going to give you some insight. When we get to the conclusion of chapter 8, Gideon makes a mistake. And that's why it's important that we keep going, keep plugging, and keep trusting God, keep believing by faith. Because if we don't, the enemy will get in. We put on the full armor of God every day. But one day you forget one piece of the armor, the enemy will find that piece that's missing. Somehow, some way, and it's going to take place. So now we come to Judges chapter uh, 8, and Gideon is going to subdue the Midianites. He's not finished with them. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, why have you done this to us uh, by not calling us when uh, you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded uh, him sharply. Are they truly angry? Are they jealous? One commentary said, or were they troublers of Israel? Because no matter what, you're always going to have those that are going to be jealous. You're going to have those that will be angry. But you'll also have those that are troublers, always trying to stir the pot. Notice verse 2 now. So he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizur? Now, this would be the place 
uh, where Gideon was from. He's saying your leftovers are better. Uh, he's kind of charming them. The clan of Gideon was from Ebezer. And look at verse 3. God has delivered into your hand uh, the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what I was able to do in comparison with you, then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. They were appeased. They were comfortable. They were content. But Gideon had to tell them nicely, or else there were, this, this argument would continue. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he had the 300 men who were with him uh, crossed over exhausted but still in pursuit. Notice that not one of Gideon's army has been lost. They did do some fighting, but not one has been lost. I, I thought that was incredible. It just shows you the hand of God, but they're exhausted. And they're going to ask two different uh, cities to feed the men, and they refuse. Then he said to the men of Sukkoth, uh, verse 5, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. They're hungry, they're tired, they're exhausted. And, and the leaders of Sukkoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand? that we should give bread uh, to your army. They're fearful. If we support you, if we feed you, and, and then you're defeated, then they're going to come and kill us. That's what they're saying. So Gideon said, for this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with thorns of the wild berries and with briars. That's exactly what happens. They were whipped, and they were going to pay the price. Then he went up from there to Penuel, and he spoke to them in the same way, and the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sukkoth had answered. Again, fearful, fearful. If the kings defeat Gideon and the children of Israel, uh, repercussions. Did they already hear what the men of Sukkoth did? They're not that far apart. I think one of my commentaries said they're about 40, 60 miles apart. Gideon's looking for sustenance for, for his men. In verse 9, so he also spoke to the men of Pinyo, saying, when I come back in peace, listen, all these are prophecies that uh, Gideon's going to come back. Gideon's going to be victorious. I will tear down this tower. He tells them. He warned them. And right there, they could have changed. People of Sukkoth could have changed. And now the people of Pinyel, uh, they could have changed, but they didn't. Now, Zeba and Zalmunna were at Karkor, and their armies with them. Listen to this. How many had fled? Remember, about 15,000. All who were left of all the army of the people of the east. For 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Uh, that was radical to me that uh, they killed amongst themselves. 120,000. 
And the ones that fled, they're still going after them. I like that the numbers are given. I thought about this. It just further shows you the power of God. Uh, I want you to think of Gideon now. He, he knows what he's doing. He's been called of God. He's been anointed by God. Uh, his armor bearer is backing him up 110%. Uh, the 300 men are backing him up. But with all these victories, they're, they're, they're getting even that much more excited. And, and isn't that just us? When God answers our prayers, we, we, we get faith and we draw from faith. And then we pray even more. When we ask you guys to pray for the release of Adrian, and he has been released. And then you can say, well, what about Pastor Saeed? And I can honestly tell you, that's a whole different, different story. And it's not here in the States. And so <laughs> you're dealing with principalities and rulers of darkness. That's what Paul tells us in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Spiritual warfare that's going on. But it shows us the power of prayer. And so we pray. And we pray and we see what God is going to do. Look at verse 11. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of Anobah and Jogbah. And he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. I'm wondering if they were, um, you know, resting. Uh, were, was, were they asleep? Whatever the reason... Gideon had wisdom, let's attack now. God gives him insight. Notice verse 12. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them and he took uh, the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. Again, decisive victory in the Lord. Again, all the glory goes to God. I'm thinking it's 300 men. Nobody is trampling over the other. With 32,000 men, it could have been disastrous because the way God was going to use to hit them. And so such a, a, a decisive victory. In verse 13, then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle from the ascent of Hears. It's called the city of destruction. Uh, other commentary says it was called the city of the sun. And so I don't know why they have different names. In verse 14, and he caught a young man, listen to this, of the men of Sukkoth, interrogated him, and he wrote down from him, for him, the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders. Seventy-seven men. They did not feed his men. Gideon hasn't forgot. Remember that verse? that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. And again, I love what Pastor Chuck taught us many, many years ago, and that is to always have a love and a compassion for Israel. Always have a love and a compassion for God's people. And always have a love and a compassion for Jerusalem. 
It's the city of God. And you know, all you got to do is watch the news and see how much they, they want to destroy it and such. And so now, listen to the judgment on these 77. Then it came to the, the men of Sukkoth and said, uh, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, uh, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, are, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand? And that we should give bread to your weary men? Payback time. Payback time. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and God will not be mocked. That's what we read in, in Galatians chapter 6. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap also. And so Gideon has come back like he promised, and he took the elders of the city, verse 16, and the thorns of the wilderness of the, and the berries, and with them he taught the men of Sukkot. They whipped them. They whipped them. That's the teaching. Uh, you didn't obey what I asked. I asked because that's what the Lord said. And now you have to pay. Then he tore down the, the tower of Penuel. And he killed the men of the city. Harsh judgments. And, and years ago when I first started reading the Old Testament. And you come up with that phrase. Lord, this... This is vicious. We're talking Old Testament. God ordained these things. God took care of business, like it or not. And that's why you get these people that won't come to the Lord, and they always use the excuse, well, your God is a God of love. How come he kills everybody? Your God is a God of love. How come he brings judgment upon even his own nation sometimes? But they never see the sin factor, do they? That's the key. They never see uh, the sin factor. In verse 18, and he said to uh, Zeba and Zalmunna, what kind of men were they when you killed at Tabor? Very important here. So they answered, as you are, so were they, each one resembled the son of a king. The Midianite kings... These killed Gideon's brothers at Tabor. And so the Old Testament, we've read that in the law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. You destroyed one of my animals, you had to replace that animal. And so a life here is going to have to be taken by another life. And that's exactly what took place here. In verse 19, then uh, he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother, as the Lord lives, and if you had let them live, I would not kill you. Man, <laughs> I tell you, and these guys are hearing the judgment. And, and I, I'm wondering if they're thinking, you know, well, he's going to give us a break. You know, we're uh, the laws of the Geneva Convention, right? No, God's law prevails. And God took care of business again and again and again. Now, I would not have killed you. The conclusion of verse 19. Verse 20, and he said to Jether, uh, his firstborn, rise and kill them. He's telling his son. Now, we don't know his age. But he's telling his son, but the youth would not draw his sword. And because they called him a youth, he has to be at least under 30. That's my interpretation. For he was afraid because he was still a youth. He's not ready. 
And, and yet Gideon stepped out and said, so Zubah and Zalmunna said, rise yourself and kill us. For as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Azubah and, and Zalmunna and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camel's neck. The challenge was given uh, to Gideon, and Gideon complied. I, I'm thinking he's testing his son, wants to see if his son's ready. His son says no, and he didn't chasten him for it. And so uh, the two kings said, well, you do it. Gideon said, okay. Now, here's where Gideon makes a big mistake. He makes an ephod, and he makes it out of gold, and then he hangs the ephod, and the people would come, and they would hear the story, go see the ephod, and what happened is they began to worship the ephod. He should have never, ever done that, and so the caption in my Bible says before, verse 22, ephod, Gideon's ephod. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, you and your sons and your grandsons also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Gideon. They were giving Gideon the honor. Look at the next verse. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. Uh, the Lord shall rule over you. He gave God the glory. Always give God the glory. The glory belongs to the Lord. Then Gideon said to him, I would like to make a request of you to the men, his men, that each of you would give me the earrings from, from his plunder, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. Now, the Ishmaelites were known for their gold apparel, and they were known to put gold on, on their camels, too. Uh, the rings and stuff around it. And so uh, gold <laughs> was used pretty uh, pretty easy. Now, they're going to give you some numbers here, and uh, they're pretty high even for this time, but even for our time. And so they answered, verse 25, uh, we will gladly give them. And then he says, and they spread out a garment, and each man threw into the, uh, threw into the garment the earrings, from its plunder. To them it was a small price of the spoils that they took. He just wants the earrings. You know they took much more. And so they were glad to give up uh, because there was plenty more. And here it says, now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 uh, shekels of gold besides the, the crescent ornaments. Uh, the pendants and the purple robes which were on the kings of Midian and besides the chains that were around uh, their camels' necks. And so quite a haul when you begin to see it. Uh, the commentaries were all over the place here uh, concerning how much it was worth. And I'm just going to give you the poundage. Some said uh, it was 40 uh, to 60 pounds, and another one said it was even up to 80 pounds. So just trying to give you uh, the number, uh, there was plenty of gold. In verse 27, 
Then Gideon made it into an ephod, and he set it up in his city, Orpha, and, and all Israel, listen to what it says, all Israel played the harlot with it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Gideon made a big mistake. He was trying to leave a reminder. He was trying to leave, you know, like they would stack the stones and such. But by taking the earrings and he made the ephod, the ephod, remember, uh, was a piece that the, the high priest would wear. And then he put it there so everybody would come and, and they would see it and they would idolize it. And he went totally against Exodus chapter 20 because we're going to keep reading. You're going to see it. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel uh, so that they lifted their heads no more and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. For 40 years, God blessed them. Let's go back to why the blessing. Because they were obedient. Because Gideon was obedient. Because Gideon and his 300 men were faithful. And yet the other ones joined also. But this idol... What was Gideon thinking of? In verse 29, we begin to read uh, the death of Gideon now. Remember, he's the fifth judge. Then Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, went and he dwelt in his own house. This is Gideon. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. Another mistake, and uh, again, I don't know the answer. That's the question that's always been asked. Why did God allow uh, multiple marriages? Why did God allow concubines? And then all these children, uh, scholars will tell you, well, because God wanted to build the nation. And the nation was built fast, quick. And the, the women were always very fruitful. And the kids came. But it Seems to has always gotten him in trouble. Look at Solomon's life. When we get to Solomon and the kings, incredible. Uh, the problems that it caused, the problems that uh, arise from that. And this is where the Mormons, they say, well, come on. Hmm. Gideon had 70 sons of who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son whose name was called Abimelech. And we're going to deal with Abimelech as we continue. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah, uh, the Abysserite. So it was as a son, as, excuse me, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with Baal and made Baal breath. Uh, they're gone. Did they forget what God had said? Did they forget the song of Deborah? Did they forget the victories that God used Gideon from? Notice that he dies off, and, and it's almost like they're waiting in the wings. They can't wait to, you know, uh, worship the idols. And so 40 years uh, of worshiping the Lord, 
40 years that God blessed them, and all of a sudden, they're going to go back. In verse 34, Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of their own enemies on every side. Who is man that you're mindful of him, the psalmist says. And if you look at the translation, is I don't know where that psalm is right now, but it just came to my mind. Who is, who is puny man that you're mindful of him? And I want you to think about it. Look how much God loves us. Look at the things that I've done. Look at the things you've done as Christians. And yet God still loves us. God still forgives us. And, and here's the children of Israel. God still loves them. God still forgives them. Again, verse 34, it's the scenario that we've been reading. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God. And, and quote other passages, and they did that which was right in their own eyes. Look, God will forgive us. And that's sometimes the logic even, uh, you know, the Christians take. Look at verse 35. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, uh, that is Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. They totally forgot about him. Totally forgot about him. When the Pharaoh died... Uh, that was always, in, really, he just loved Joseph. Totally changed, didn't it, after that? <laughs> who's Joseph? And so now these guys, who's Gideon? And so <laughs> Gideon served the Lord. Gideon led the way concerning faith. Now, you know the scripture. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus is at the, it's, it's dealing with a Samaritan woman. And they're arguing about, we worship God here in Mount Gerizim, and you worship God over there in Jerusalem. And Jesus said in John 4, 24, those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, you've heard me say this many times. I, I just, I have a hard time when somebody puts up a picture of Jesus, is that what he looks like? And we, you know, we just, but uh, it depends what part of the world you're at, how that Jesus is going to look. And so those that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. I'm thinking somebody's going to get to heaven one day, and they're going to look right at Jesus and say, you're not him. That's not the picture I had on my wall. The ephod that he erected was a sacred garment worn by the high priest. It was made out of gold, fine linen, blue, purple, scarlet, and then the breastplate uh, with the 12 stones of each tribe in Israel. But Gideon's ephod was made out of gold. Gideon's ephod was made out of gold. But it still looked like an ephod, obviously. But when the people would come, they would point to the ephod. And they would come to the city. Where's Gideon's house? We want to see the ephod. And so that's why God took it down from 32,000 down to 300. But at the conclusion, 
he sets this ephod up, and the people began to worship it. And they came against Gideon's house after. Again, who is puny man that you're mindful of him? And yet God does love us. Let's all stand well in uh, with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much as we learn from the Old Testament, as we learn from Gideon, the fifth judge. And Lord, uh, the children of Israel and the judges, they, they were just so fickle. I mean, they'd serve you for a time and then they would, uh, the next generation would change and the best they could do was two generations. But then they would go back to their evil ways. And again, as I'm looking at the book of Judges, I'm reminded of our, our great country, our United States of America, how far we've fallen, how far we've uh, gone backwards and, you know, erected all kinds of different idols. And so, Father, help us to glean and help us to understand and Lord, help us to listen uh, to the voice of God. When a time is coming that God is going to bring judgment, not just in the United States of America, but God is going to bring his judgment upon the world. And so we see the 21 judgments in the book of Revelation. We cannot deny them. Lord, help us to serve you, Lord. Help us to obey you, Lord. Help us to lean on you and not upon our own understanding. Lord, bless your people as they've come. And Lord, we do continue to pray. Lord, I know there's a, a lot of sickness, a lot of disease, a lot of infirmities in, in our own fellowship, in our own homes. Uh, Lord, have your hand upon us. And again, we pray for this young girl, Rafia. And we ask you to set her free from the bondage that religion has created and even her own parents, Lord. And that through this, they would come to saving grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen. All right, God bless you guys.